Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. All right, so... How many of you were here for last week's message with Pastor Anthony on the family service? Wasn't that a great service? I feel like that service was amazing. This week for Multicultural Day, we also have another powerful service. If you're here for a service, you'll know it was a really great testimony. So today we have the sisters, and they come from a restricted access nation, meaning that, you know, they can't really preach the gospel freely under the law. And so can we just please give a warm welcome to the sisters? Hello, everybody. (laughs) So awesome to be here with you. It's such an honor, such a privilege. I was growing up in a communist country, and I was uh, like a big communist leader going to Moscow communist conferences. And in my little town, I would stand in front of the town, made big speeches about communist party, and I would proclaim things like, Communist party is the best party. Hooray! Like whole entire city repeat after me. Hooray, hooray, hooray. I really did believe in communism. I used to believe in this thing. We can show the first slide. And I thought it's the best thing people could have. And uh, you'll see it right here. This is what I believed in. And you can show next one. This is what I believe in now. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Yes. And then um, what happened is like when communism collapsed and I begin to find out a lot of truth about communism, I was almost like in a depression. But then I thought, oh, didn't work out here. Let's try somewhere else. And um, I begin to like study really hard. I graduated school with honors, university with honors. I was working on my PhD and I was hired in my university. I was a professor. And um, I still felt like that's not it. I still felt empty and I still felt like, oh, I didn't find joy there. And I thought maybe I should try something else. And then what I did is I became like a party animal. I went to every disco club I could go to, party. Like I was partying, drinking, smoking marijuana. I was like, you know, partying all night, teaching daytime. And it was, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And uh, it was interesting that I felt like whole inside me and I felt so lonely. And I remember how I couldn't even share this to anyone because I was like, they will be laughing at me like I'm constantly surrounded with people and how could you feel lonely? But I felt very, very lonely. But what happened in my country when communism collapsed and my country was very kind of lost for a very short period of time because right away everybody remembered that before communists came to our country, we were strong Muslim country. And then everybody began to like, they all were like, we were building uh, mosques, every corners. People were really going into Muslim religion. And I thought, that's it. 
I was like, this is what I was looking for. This is what I was missing. This is what I need. And I was like, my great-grandparents were Muslim. This, this is where I find the joy. And you know, the interesting thing, it was the worst thing ever because I was under such a pressure and I was like, it was Muslim, if you're familiar with Muslim religion, it's a lot of rules, 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 right? And I was always trying to keep up with all the rules. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And I felt myself such a failure, right? And I had so many challenges and I remember that like, I'm very challenged about North, West, East, right? And you know, when you're Muslim, you pray certain way. And my biggest this challenge was I figure out how to pray at home, but if I am somewhere, I'm like, is my bump looking towards Allah's face? Like, which way to pray? I was like, aren't we blessed that we can pray just like anywhere, right? It's so amazing. So what happened is like, I was under all this stress and one night I was just sitting in my room and I was just talking to myself. Do you talk to yourself sometimes? I love talking to myself. And I was like, hey, like, why aren't you happy? Like, why nothing brings joy to you? You tried so many things. What else do you want, right? And then I remembered boy from university when I was studying in university. And he would come to us with very weird stuff. Like he would come to us and tell us, Jesus is alive. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And we all thought he's like cuckoo, right? Like we all were making fun of him, bullying him. I was actually leader of bullying, coming up with ideas how we can like make fun of this boy. But you know what? Every single word he said never really left me. Like, I remembered every single word. And that night, when I was sitting in my room, I remembered that, all the words he, he told us. And I was thinking, maybe I should try this Jesus guy. Like, what to lose, right? But then I was like, I'm not going to just, like, believe in him that he can, you know, hear me. I was like, I need to test him. And then I was sitting in my room for a long time thinking, how can I test him? I need to ask him for something so impossible that I really, really know he heard me. And then what happened is like, I remember that at that time I spoke uh, four languages and English just was becoming a kind of like, you know, everybody wanted to talk in English. And I looked up a ceiling very skeptically, sarcastically. I looked around, I'm like, hey, Jesus, are you here? Can you hear me? And I was like, if you hear me, can you give me English language? And you know what happened? Next morning I woke up, I could speak English. <laughs> yeah, I still have goosebumps when I share about that. My sister still laughs at me. She's like, you should be more specific. Ask for reading, writing, good grammar, no accent. But I just said, give me English, and I could just translate my language into English. And so what happened, as you all know, what happens when Jesus comes into your heart, I invited Jesus to my heart. I could, nobody could tell me he doesn't hear. And it's a beautiful life with him. I never felt lonely after that, and I never looked for anything else. And it's a beautiful life started. So I begin to go to the weirdo church, you know, from my university. <laughs> and, then, and then what happened is very shortly, like in um, about two months, I heard uh, one lady came forward, elderly lady, and she was sharing about something. 
But she, we couldn't understand, nobody could understand a word she was saying because she was crying so hard, bowling. And uh, being very curious person, at the end of the service, I ran to her. I'm like, what were you saying? We couldn't understand a word what you were saying. And she told me that um, she was sharing about orphanage with 400 children with special needs. And she was saying how she... Like, they really need help. And she was asking church to come and try to help. And you know how thoughts go through your mind? I was thinking, bummer, why did I ask her now? I have to go with her. I'm like, oh. But then I was like, okay, I'll just go. You know, it's fun to see a new place. And I'll calm her down. Like, I told her, I'll come with you. I said, I'll go one time. And when I went to, uh, with her to this orphanage, I wasn't shocked, just like shocked, because here recently I was this communist, right, leader, and we didn't even know that this kind of places existed in our country, because it's like even if you have just like um, cliff flip, cliff pallet, they throw you there. You consider not perfect, and you consider garbage, right? And uh, I won't go into uh, all the details what I saw there was horrible. Like, kids on the floor, naked, and their own, like, you couldn't even see a piece of skin. It's like bone and skin, and it's all covered with mucus and infection and their own feces. And I came home just, like, in shock, and I begin to pray, like, with all of my heart. I was like, Jesus, you have to do something about this place. Like, you have to send someone there to help all these orphans. And God was saying, it's you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Send somebody special to this place. And God was so beautiful. Like, very gently, he would, like, encourage me and squeeze my heart. And he would bring kids' faces before me. And I battled with him for about five months and four and a half months. Because, like, I'm like, no, that's not me. And then finally, I stopped battling. But I was, like, so overwhelmed. I didn't know where to start, what to do. And I... You know, in my mind, I was thinking, we need millionaire here who comes, buys everything, and it'll be great, right? But God had different idea. And it was so beautiful how I remember I was sitting and thinking, okay, I'll go, but what do I do? And God said very powerful thing. He's like, don't worry about what you will be doing. You make a step of faith. And I will do the work, not you. So I grabbed on that promise. I'm like, great, awesome. You better, Jesus. So I, I made that step of faith. I went inside, and it was so beautiful how God began to bring idea after idea what needed to be done. And number one idea, he right away told me, you're not going to, like, you didn't get your English for nothing. You're going to use your English right away. And because our country just got independence, we were a very young country, we begin to have so many embassies come. And uh, so God was encouraging us and saying, like, encouraging me and saying, even if you go to French embassy or German embassy, they all speak English, used English. So I literally knocked on their doors and I was asking for help and help was coming like, wow, like so amazingly, right? We got the beds and clothes and beddings. I remember we had time when I didn't have a money to buy just socks. We would bring a, a small bucket and old heater and we would heat water and put four or five Five kids feet inside that bucket so they get warm so they don't get gangrene you know and had to amputate their legs 
And then God brought like so many socks and it was so beautiful. And then all these kids, because of God's love, they begin to, the ones who couldn't speak begin to speak. The ones who couldn't walk begin to walk. And all these kids begin to like memorize songs and worshiping God and singing songs to him. And then government workers seeing all these miracles, they gave life to Jesus too. And then even government workers, relatives heard about all this. They gave life to Jesus too. So it was a huge revival. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Huge revival was going on in that orphanage. But God began to speak to us. Like my sister was in the school at that time, and she always came and helped me. And God began to speak to her, then to me, saying, this is awesome what's happening. This orphanage is like model orphanage. It's such an example for all orphanages, how it should be. But he was telling us there are 83 orphanages, and you need to make the step of faith again. Go to the orphanage. And all these orphanages are like from 150 children to 550 children. And they all don't know about Jesus. And God was saying, you go to a place, establish work, uh, build a relationship with administration, and then bring two Christian ladies who will continue the work and you move to another place. So that's how God was leading us to different projects, like to baby orphanages, to orphanages for children with special needs, to or orphanages for children, we call it normal. I don't like this name, but they call it nor, it's official name. When you're not physically or mentally disabled, they call it you're an orphanage for normal children. Then God lead us to a blind people society because blind people are just surviving on a small pension of $40 a month and no jobs for them, nothing. Then God lead us to another ministry. We have a ministry. We have a ladies who used to be a drug addicts, and then they were um, prostitutes in order to get drugs, and then they were selling drugs. They got into prison. When they came back from prison, they gave life to Jesus, and then they were sharing with us how they really want to go back and share with their old friends about Jesus. And they said their number one biggest need in the prison is toilet paper. They were saying how they they usually use leaves in the summer or stones in the winter. So, and you know how in God's kingdom it happens that somebody gave us hundred dollar, and then for hundred dollar back home you can buy big stock of toilet paper right so our two ladies took it there and the ladies in prison were touching it by their face they're like oh soft white paper and they were asking our ladies like why do you do this for us and our ladies were able to say because God loves them because of God's love and do you know that we continue this ministry we call it toilet paper for Christ ministry and it's still going on even now it's so beautiful what God was doing in the all these uh, ministries and I would like to invite my sister now to continue yeah so uh, while I was serving at the baby orphanages I love babies and um, uh, so back home how it works uh, when the babies become uh, four, seven years old, they have to be moved uh, either to those normal orphanages or to the orphanages for adult men or women, and they stay there till they die. So one of our boys became seven years old, and we had to transport him to an adult orphanage, and praise God, we had the car to drive him for two and a half hours. And um, when we got to that orphanage, 
Uh, we've seen many orphanages, that, but that orphanage was one of the worst ones, and uh, no sewage system, no heaters. Um, the, um, the ladies look so malnourished there, and uh, uh, because of the conditions, they age so, quick, so quickly. And um, the, the lady that would be only like 40 years old, she looked like 80 years old, like doubled and aged. And... Um, so when we started going there, uh, we would bring boxes of cookies just for and some extra nutritious food for them. And uh, these ladies would be like running towards us. They knew that some food is coming and they would be like all over jumping on us that they, we would get some bruises. But because they were so hungry, they would just like attack us. And it was so cool to see in the wild that they would just line up and that they would uh, show us their two hands and they knew that they each get two cookies or like two something, two special treats. It was so awesome to see. And then we saw lots of healing, lots of God provided the heater system for them, the, um, the uh, washrooms right inside the building. Also, they were cooking, um, uh, like, they didn't have any stoves in the orphanage for all those 250 uh, special needs uh, children and adults. So all they did, they would have, like, huge um, pots outside, and they would um, cook under, like, fire, under the wooden, wooden fire. And God provided stoves inside. Um, it was so awesome. And then uh, we started with a little Bible study. And these ladies seeing all this, what God was providing and the healing and all his love that was pouring. They were giving their lives to Jesus. And um, the group was growing so much that we had to have a bigger space for like actual church service. So we went to the director of the orphanage and he was a Muslim man. And we told him our request. We got boldness. <laughs> and then he got quiet for a while. We're like, oh, my goodness. And then he's like, actually, after you ladies stepped in, these ladies are not acting crazy anymore because they would have to, like, like handcuff them or whatever to the um, metal pipes. Met, um, like, uh, there was one section that we couldn't even go in. It was, like, all metal. So we would pass the food through those metal um, screens, doors. And he's like, they're not acting crazy anymore. We don't even have to have those metal doors or metal uh, screens on the windows. He's like, I allowed you to have um, a service on Sundays in that cafeteria. So only in the worship team, we had 40 uh, ladies worshiping and dancing like this morning. <laughs> we couldn't stop them dancing. And uh, it was awesome until... Uh, Someone reported um, about all, all what was going on to KGB. We still don't know who, who that was, but um, they told all the details to KGB. Now we don't call it KGB. It's um, in our own language, the way we call it, but it's the same kind of structure, and all those countries are connected. And so when that crew came, they went straight to the room where we were hiding all the Bibles, all the... Um, all the so like the worship songs, all the books, and they confiscated everything, and and um, they started interviewing all our orphan ladies, and they were asking who was teaching all this, who brought you all this, and of course they'll say the truth. They said, "Oh, those are like our big sisters," and um, so uh, my sister and I started being investigated in that. Um, KGB that was two and a half hours away. Um, it's a long story. Um, how we were um, in those investigation prisons there for 
uh, in and out for many months, but um, at the end, they announced the three cases that we were um, under. Uh, number one case uh, would give us um, three to five years of sentence that would be for going inside the government institution, even if it's, um, you're bringing a lot of help. They don't care, it's a government closed institution, no um, strangers are allowed. And number two case was for proselytizing, for bringing uh, people to another religion, because these ladies were government orphans, they were already considered that they should be Muslim. Um, and the third case was the hardest. Um, in those um, special um, hiding places they found, some Bibles that were printed out. Um, at that time, we didn't even actually have the whole Bible printed out in our native language. And our church had an underground uh, printery place where they would print out small, like, brochures. So we would hide them in, in our pockets and stuff, and uh, they would read those in our native language. And that made, made the case hardest because it was illegally typed. And altogether would be uh, 11 to 15 years of sentence. And a lot of lawyers got involved, a lot of uh, connections. And at the end of the uh, court, we only got a probation. Like, oh, thank you, Jesus. We can continue the work. Praise God, yeah. And um, at that time, we already had 15 ladies, uh, workers working alongside us in different uh, orphanages and institutions all around our country. And um, even before that, for many years in the ministry, I, um, my dream was to learn about the special needs, uh, babies like and adults, and how to take care of them. Because um, in the orphanages for special needs, when, uh, when, um, when the children would be hitting their head to the wall um, because they couldn't like, control themselves, and all what government workers would could do like tie them up to the beds or to the like heater pipes so they would get burned or get rashes on their wrists and I hated to see that and back home I couldn't find any type of education uh, for special needs people because if they're considered to be like garbage like nobody they would rather die them quicker and not to take care of them and so then I heard um, that in Canada you can take a short course, and, um, and then my dream was to go back and teach all the government workers what we can do to help them. And uh, I passed all the exams, like medical exams, was accepted into college here, and um, they said, uh, they emailed me, they said, before you come, you gotta send us a police check because half of your term you'll be working in the um, special needs homes here to practice. So then my sister and I uh, went to that police, special police office for the police checks and uh, applied for a police check for me. And when we returned in a few weeks, um, the officer just passed me my papers back, but the police check wasn't there. And um, we, I, I, I was asking her, I'm like, I applied for the police check, uh, where is it? And she's like, uh, you're not actually allowed to get one, just um, uh, I can't give you any information, don't ask me any questions, just leave. Like, oh, we didn't know, like, and she started like rushing us and asking for another person to come and we just left not knowing and then through some connections we got hold of uh, another officer that um, was one of the guys that could actually get into system and um, 
we um, were supposed to meet with him at night in a um, like special like wilderness where no one could see us. And he's like, please, no, um, don't ever contact me again. Don't uh, forget my phone number, my name. And he said, I checked, your, uh, checked our system and I could see uh, your name was under religious chart of people. And at that time, we're like, okay, that, that's approved because we only gave him my name, full name and the passport number. We didn't tell him anything about what happened in that orphanage in our three cases. And he said, I, could, I checked the system and they moved you from that red list of people, of religious people, to a terrorist, terrorist chart, a block list, the worst case. And at that time, I just... I. I don't know for how long, but I just stood now because I knew that that won't be 15 years of prison. That will be execution because that's the worst case you can get. And uh, and I just the the last the last the next thing I remember uh, my sister grabbing me by my hand and just pulling me and running. And that night we I don't know how that night passed because the next morning we. We bought the uh, ticket for me to fly to Canada, but um, I didn't even know if the customs, thank you, if the customs will, um, will let me through because if the systems are connected, um, they could stop me. And, but my sister said, no, you got to choose this chance and, um, and try to leave the country and escape because I can't lose you. So then when she took me to the airport that day, we said goodbyes to each other. I was standing in line. I was standing in line before the customs, and the, the time seemed so long. And uh, I, I just started praying right there. I said, Jesus, whatever happens right now, if they'll let me um, through or... I'll just take me to execute. I will still pray your name. And at that time, such a peace came. I only, I only felt that once. God gave me such a peace to stand in that line. And, and when I gave my passport to the customs person, he just looked at me and put the stamp in. Put the stamp on my passport and just let me through and it was such a miracle, yeah. And it's amazing. Amazing. And, um, and uh, sorry, it's just hard to believe that we're just now sharing with you. But I want to testify to you that God took such a good care of us during all that time uh, when we were, like my sister mentioned, in and out, in and out. Do you know that their favorite thing they do, they, um, they torture. Their favorite torturing is they put needles under nails. And I remember how when guys were like angry, screaming, uh, you know, hands by your face, I was like, oh, Jesus, please don't let them put anything. Just don't let them put needles under our nails. Nothing happened. Not even one hair fell from our heads. 
And uh, another thing they do, it's for them we're dirty because we betrayed uh, the religion, right? And they believe that if they'll do something bad to us, they'll go straight to heaven. And uh, they usually rape ladies. Nothing happened to us. God just kept us in the palm of his hands. It's so beautiful. And you know what happened when as soon as, uh, it was very blurred that whole those three days. But as soon as she left, I realized I didn't ask for police check, but we were together through that religious uh, courts and all that stuff. And I knew that they moved me probably to the terrorists too. And I grabbed my two little girls. They were four and five at that time. And... Uh, <clears throat> grabbed two suitcases and I came, we came and we still don't know that maybe God blinded those custom people or they were just really happy to get rid of us kind of like go preach somewhere else don't touch our Muslim people right but you know the beautiful thing is that we have 15 ladies back home who are real heroes they're like incognitas continue work and continue praise jesus name and we're sending support from here when we were in trouble wherever question we had it was such a god's wisdom wherever we were questioned we made sure that our ladies won't get in trouble like for example we were receiving uh, some money from Western countries and policemen were so angry at us. They're like, why you keep receiving all the money? Like, are you uh, making a bomb? Are you like preparing a revolution in the country? You want whole country to become Christians. That's why you're receiving money. And we couldn't say it's a salary of our ladies. So we made sure that our ladies don't have any bank accounts, not receiving anything, right? And then like so from so so many angles, like we were just coming and helping and they didn't like that. We made sure our ladies are actually not just strangers coming, helping. They're actually hired one of the government workers in all those places. So God gave us wisdom how to cover them from every angle. And it's so beautiful that they're continuing praising Jesus' name because we believe that Muslim people need to hear about Jesus. We believe that they need to have choice, right? And uh, have this, just because you were born Asian doesn't mean like you have to be Muslim. <laughs> so it's such a beautiful ministry. And then also when we came here, in the beginning, we were just like mess. We cried 24-7. We couldn't understand why we're here. And Canada gave us like shelter, right? Like we're safe. But we were like, we want to go back. And we were like, Lord, like Jesus, why did you allow this happen to us? And the next second we were like, oh, forgive us for asking. We trust you. We trust you. But the next second, what? No, why? Like, but, you know, when later we were more calm, we finally sit down together with my sister and we were like, okay, Jesus, you brought us here. There is a reason. And while we're here, we don't know how long we're going to be here, but while we're here, could you um, like give us field where you want us to praise your name? And then as soon as we pray that, never happened before that, but as soon as we prayed that prayer, God began to bring so many people, like our language speaking, Slavic speaking people into our lives from all 
all those countries and uh, we would just stand in a line in a grocery store and uh, or I take my kids to school we keep meeting these people and all these people different background atheist orthodox Baha'i you name it we have Jehovah Witness they all came to Jesus they start coming to Jesus and we have about like 45 or 40 45 of us gathering every Sunday and it's beautiful ministry that God started and then he also uh, last year when we heard about the residential school God just squeezed our hearts because I've been to Musani and Musfaktri and I'm I have friends pastors there and we contacted them asked what will be a great thing just to like encourage people and tell them that they're loved and she said backpacks with school supplies big need and we last year we brought 364 backpacks uh, to Musani and then the ch- we do everything through local church and the local church got a phone call the Moose Factory heard about this project they said we want backpacks too so this year we took 504 backpacks full of school supplies and you know the most beautiful thing we saw kids coming with grocery plastic bags and it's beautiful how God changes those plastic bags into backpacks and showing love to them and then we you all know that at the end of February the war started in Ukraine and God squeezed our hearts about that situation because we have lots of friends there and classmates there and uh, right now we're helping 12 churches around the whole Ukraine and uh, we're helping them with whatever um, they need like one church is making um, non-stop bread they make 700 loaves of bread every day for their people another church making uh, the village gives all their animals for free so they're making uh, meat cans but they need the jars and they needed transportation to deliver it, so we help with that. Another church is receiving a lot of refugees who are coming from east side to western side, and they needed showers. That so they said we never like thought we need shower in the church, but they needed showers because people travel for days and nights, and they were they providing showers. And then another church asked for uh, two wash machines and two uh, dryers because a lot of people come, you know, with duty clothes never change so that's another beautiful big ministry and another thing we do we also receiving um, Ukrainian refugees here in Canada and helping them to settle and it's beautiful what God is doing through this we call um, our ministry sweat ministries and it's beautiful what's happening and at the end I would like to share with you a scripture you all know this scripture it's a beautiful story about four friends who brought their um Ripple friend um, to Jesus, but because of the crowd, they couldn't bring them closer. They made the roof, they made a hole in the roof and brought him. And um, it's just this scripture so beautiful and reminds us of this four men is actually you, Windsor Christian Fellowship. You're supporting us and thank you so much for supporting us and carrying us, bringing to Jesus. And uh, we would never be able to do all we do without you. And um, I want to give a microphone to Pastor Ergy and a video at the end. Thank you so much for having us. We have a video.
One Muslim Nation. A 20-year journey. Orphans are adopted. Single moms are not alone. Blind seniors are cared for. Baby orphans are loved. Orphan teens have hope. Children are protected. Prisoners have faith. Alcoholics find freedom. Cancer patients have joy. This is all because of this Jesus. This is all because of Jesus. This is this his is ministry. His ministry. This, this is death. Stand up with me as we come to the table. Father, I thank you for the bread in our hands. And as Jesus' body was broken for us, thank you that in his brokenness, he made a way for us to be whole. Father, I thank you that we, your people, can worship freely here in this place without fear of persecution or hardship or even death. But we also remember our brothers and sisters all over the world that just to gather and worship and lift up holy hands, they put their very lives at risk. Father, I thank you that you healed us, that you set us free, that you delivered us and restored us to health. Help us to remember many others that need a touch from you today, some even in this place. And we release your healing power now. In Jesus' name. As we have the cup in our hands, the new covenant, the blood. It was shed for your sins and mine. Father, we're forever grateful that Jesus was willing to endure the cross and the shame so that we could have freedom. Father, as we release others today, I thank you that you release us. The charges against us are dropped. The death penalty for our sin has been released because Jesus took our death penalty in his own body. We declare freedom, hope, and life in the name of Jesus. So right before I dismiss, you know, our sisters came today and they shared a small portion of what God has been accomplishing in their life. But one thing that stands out to me the most is wasn't like an angel came down and said, go do this. They just started being obedient to what God was speaking to their heart and living a spirit-led life. Chantel and Tim, they encouraged, you know, hey, sow your tithes in the kingdom and sow offerings, you're right. The tithe is a part of our covenant and our relationship with Christ. It's holy, it belongs to God. The offerings is where we get into multiplication, but the offerings are the seed that we sow into the lives of others so that God can accomplish his purposes. And I want to encourage all of you, sow some seed today into our sisters. 
There's a guest speaker on the app or online. You can sew into the sisters. You can go to the info center. You can give cash. But what happens is, as we, as a step of faith, sacrificially take of what we have and say, God, take what we have and multiply it. Start being a blessing to others. He multiplies our and he's a blessing to others. And you see, when God puts it on people's heart and they start moving in that direction in faith, God provides. And I believe that he will meet every need that you have as you continue to walk in faith. But we have to live a surrendered life and be willing to be obedient in the moment. Our worship team has one more song for all of you. And I hope to see you down the hall for the food and the fundraiser for Matthew House that we have going on today from one to four. You're welcome to purchase some tickets and sample some different variations of food as we sow into the local refugees as well. But Windsor Christian Fellowship, you've been equipped, now go.
your best. Crazy dash. Bridge Jesus. For the fact that you're free. For the fact that you want your life in the